the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you use the area code 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. We certainly wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all over the country and all over town. And even all over the world, if you're willing to get up in the right time zone. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Something been bugging you. Something just been on your mind. Yeah. That's, now's a great time. we got plenty of time well, to answer those questions. Absolutely right. Always at the beginning of the show is the best time, just because towards the end we have to get out. At a certain time. A certain time, and right. we don't have time for a full answer. Sometimes there are people holding on the phones when we do end the show. And, unfortunately, radio lives and dies by the clock. That it does. <laughs> the spots have to run at a certain time, and this has to happen at a certain time. So it's one of those things where you call in now, and we can get you a full and thorough answer. That is it. That's and the point I was belaboring. <laughs> <laughs> Should you happen to be one of the unfortunate folks that does not get to be able to talk to us live this morning, you, you can always get your questions answered any time of the day or night, any time of the week, by going to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page just click the button fill out the little form there and send it on in there you go and that's the best way to do that we get quite a cross-section of people who do send email in and i'm always sort of amazed at just the wide variety of skill levels and what have you folks who send email in of course you get the people who know virtually nothing at all about a car Mm -hmm. maybe they're looking to buy a car and they're just asking for what is the service history of this particular vehicle so right. you get some of those types of calls and then or excuse me email and then we get some where it's a do-it-yourselfer and he's just needs a little guidance a little guidance maybe he wants to know what's the best way to do da 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 and then you'll get the more advanced do-it-yourselfers where they've gotten into some type of a diagnostic and they're really not sure where to go mm-hmm. and you know, they'll write, and you give them some guidance from that point. And then occasionally we get the professional automotive technicians who will write in to say they listen to the program. Even though the program is not geared towards a professional technician, uh, obviously some of them do listen. Oh, yeah, a lot of them listen. And, and, get, and get something yes, out of it. That's right. Uh, I know we've got an email from a gentleman. Mr. Chevalier, I believe it's pronounced. Chevalier. Cheval- okay, I'm sorry. I- <laughs> He's a longtime ASC certified Toyota technician mm-hmm. and just wanted to say he, he loves the show, listens every week, and he likes the way we handle the show. Well, there you go. And even though the show is not specifically geared towards a professional technician, mm-hmm. certainly if he's getting something out of it, I'm thrilled at that, that we would even have enough knowledge to pass on to a gentleman like that because right. I'm sure his own knowledge is way up there as well. <laughs> but we get a wide, wide variety of folks who listen and write in. Even internationally, I know I had a email earlier this week from a uh, gentleman in the United Kingdom okay. who wrote in who had some problems, and we get them from just basically all over the world. We do. Uh, I mean, Africa and Europe and uh, South America and just pretty much every continent uh, in the world uh, where folks will write in and say they listen to the podcast. And listen through the mm-hmm. website. There you go. That is a, a wonderful website. I mean, there's tons and tons and tons of information mm-hmm. there. For, like you said, from the, the person who doesn't know a whole lot about cars and wants to understand a little bit, right? all the way up to the seasoned guy that can maybe pick up a tip or two here well, and make his job a little easier. That's right. And like I said, we welcome them all. We are we always do. thrilled to have everyone who wants to listen. 
And we're going to our phone lines. Good morning. Going on there. <laughs> Put him back on hold, see if we can get that line straightened up. Not real sure what. They have a little technical difficulty there. But I think there are things in the show, or we try to put things in the show, that will help a wide variety of people. Right. And I was talking to a fellow this week who was in the shop, and I was telling him that more and more and more, there's less and less and less that you can say that is going to apply across a wide range. Because the way it used to. such an incredible amount of variation in the industry nowadays. Right. I mean, it's really, really, really diverse. He was asking a question about a transmission, and okay. I say, well, it would depend on what transmission is in the car. And he says, well, it says da-da-da-da-da-da. I said, well, I know, but that particular model, does, that particular year, does this could have five transmissions in it. Right. <laughs> And so until you look, there's just no way to know which well, one's in there. And that's where service data comes in. That's right. We use service data all day long. That's right. Just for different applications of well, different just components. Just to see what's in there a lot of times and what it is that you're working on. Let's see if we can catch our phone call again. Hey, good morning. Yeah, this is Bob McCarran. I wanted to let you know about our 7th Annual Baton Rouge Spring Car Show put on by the Antique Car Club in Baton Rouge. Well, great. It's going to be tomorrow, March 13th, okay. out at the, next to the John Parker Coliseum on Highland Road at the LSU campus. And it's in conjunction with the Baton Rouge Spring Garden Show and the 10th Annual Kiwanis Nationally Sanctioned Louisiana State Chili Cook-Off. There you go. All right. <laughs> that was a mouthful, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, well, that's great. 60 entrants for the uh, chili cook-off. Great. Last year we had 40. This year is 60, and it's international. They have people from Canada and, and Mexico on wow. the chili cook-off. That's my favorite part of the show, of course. Oh, I tell you. But the car show is an open show. It's for any collector car. You know, we get muscle cars. We get the Mustang clubs. We get the Chevy clubs. Mm-hmm. We get the uh, sports car clubs. And we all uh, ages, uh, whatever's a nice collectible car. And we're displayed out in front at the uh, in the big parking lot out there. Well, and hopefully the weather will hold for you. I know it's supposed to start clearing up tomorrow. We've been having just an inordinate amount of rain, but uh, tomorrow's supposed to be a pretty nice day. So hopefully that'll work out. But yes, how, hopefully so. How do people have to go about getting to the show? Well, we'll have signs out. The way I get off is I get off of the interstate at Dalrymple, mm-hmm. and we'll have signs leading from both ends of the campus okay. uh, to the Coliseum parking lot there. And the official registrations at nine o'clock and until noon, and then the judging is from noon to one, and the awards at two o'clock. And okay. It's, uh, Twenty-five dollars registration for the cars. Mm-hmm. Spectators are free. Right, and there's just to come in and look around doesn't cost anything. Correct. But if you want to enter your car, it's charged to register. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, twenty-five dollars charge to register a vehicle if you want to bring your car and put it in the show. Well, that, yeah, that's great. Okay, just want to let you know about it. Hopefully, we'll have a good turnout and a good weather. There you go. All, All right, right. Bob. Thanks for calling. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. And they do a really good job with that show. They it's, do. It's a real, real wide range of cars there. You may see anything from a Model A Ford to a 2015 sports car yeah, of some, some kind. Some yeah, some kind of a high-performance sports car, maybe a Ferrari or maybe a Mustang. No telling. Muscle car or whatever. And everything in between. And Virtually everything in between. There are some really, really nice cars in the Baton Rouge area. I know a lot of the big uh, car clubs here in town kind of use this show as their first outing. Mm-hmm. Of the year. Of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, the advantage of this 
part of the country is that the cars last a long, long, long time because we don't have the extreme cold, so we don't have the salted roads, which mm-hmm. tend to eat cars away. If you're in New Jersey or Pennsylvania or wherever, unless you've done a huge amount of effort to preserve an old car, that road much, salt has eaten right. a lot of a lot of what would have been collector cars away. I mean, they just rusted away yep. when they weren't collector's cars, when they were just users. They, people just can't keep cars as long in those regions. You know, in the South, it's not unusual to see a person driving a 20-year-old car. No, that's, not at that's all. That's not unusual at all, and the car is still in relatively good shape. Well, I've got two that are 16 years old. So. Well, that's right. <laughs> I mean, <And laughs> my new car is 11 years old. There you go. <laughs> so, and, you know, that's going to be my new car until something newer comes along, which is probably <laughs> a, a, a quite, may not be quite a while. In fact, I may not live that long, so <laughs> it, that's just the way it is. But, yeah, folks keep cars a long, long time here they because do. the bodies hold up really well. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Take the highway, that's the best. I'm here with David, engineer, do-it-yourself mechanic, and actual Agco Automotive customer. You got it. So, David, you own, like, 50-something cars? <laughs> Not that many. I have five. Some are for everyday driving, and then there's my 94 Olds Cutlass Supreme Convertible and 95 Thunderbird Super Coupe. Those are more for fun. And you do a lot of the work on them yourself. I do, but when it's out of my league and I want it done right, I take my cars over to Agco. Wouldn't trust my cars with anyone else. So, listeners, if you're less like David and more like me, not automotively inclined, take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. So, David, I'd love to check out your 94 Cutlass. Really? Yeah. I figured we'd cruise around, listen to some of my Michael Bolton and Kenny G CDs. I'm more of an Aerosmith fan myself. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I see, yeah. So, schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We really appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. Get you going, maybe get you stopped. They, either way. <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking with a gentleman in the shop earlier this week, and we were just talking about pretty much the high cost of living. Uh-huh. And certainly, doesn't take a whole lot to figure out how much things cost take your wife out to a halfway decent restaurant you're gonna drop a hundred dollar bill oh yeah without without alcoholic beverages and probably without a dessert (laughs) two people can eat a hundred dollars worth of food real quick yeah and it's everything i mean go get some dry cleaning done and i mean go buy a set of shoes i mean anything that you buy is just the cost of living for any number of reasons but Auto repair is no exception to that. The cost of auto repair is very high, and largely because it requires a very skilled individual who is going to be a highly paid individual. So the labor costs are high. Parts costs are absolutely oh, they're, astronomical. They're One time, I remember, we used to figure about 50-50 labor and parts on a ticket. In other mm-hmm. words, it'd be roughly half parts, half labor. Right. And now it's probably closer to maybe 20% labor and 80% part cost is what makes up your ticket. Mm-hmm. Because it is not at all unusual to have a component that takes maybe one hour to replace but costs $800. And the cost of components is very, very, very high. So he was just remarking that. He was thinking about, said, well, I, I may buy an extended warranty okay. so that I don't have to pay these high costs. 
And I said, well, that's really not a very good idea because you got to remember insurance is to keep you from being wiped out, and it does in some cases serve a real good function. For instance, I've got to carry liability insurance on my car right? because while the risk of me making a mistake and hurting someone is not very high, I can't live with that. I don't have a half a million dollars if I'm sued for that much because I ran a stop sign and injured someone. Mm -hmm. And while the risk are low, the costs are so extremely high that I just can't afford that. You couple that with the fact that in most areas, liability insurance is also mandated. So it's not a choice. You have to have it. You can say the same thing with your hospitalization insurance. It's mandated. You've got to have it. But even beyond that, you really can't afford to risk if you have a heart attack and you're in an ICU unit for 30 days, you, you may walk out here with a million-dollar bill. That's sure. not ever going to be able to pay off. So there are certain insurances that do serve a useful function. That being said, you got to remember the way a extended warranty works is this is an insurance policy they're selling you, and on average, people are going to pay in more then than they're going to take out. out. Obviously, if they weren't doing that, they'd all be out of business. Sure. And so what's included in that price is the administrative costs of administering the policy and all that, the cost of the repairs they pay for, the commission they give to the car salesman who sells the policy, right? and on and on and on. All these things are rolled in there. So on average, you are going to probably get back a lot less than Didn't you put you in. in. You're not going to generally win on extended warranties. And I know some people have bought one and maybe some big repair came along and they felt like, yeah, I they made out. out. Yeah. I also I know that. people who go in the casino and, and they win. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they, they hit a big hit winning slot and, and they leave and they're, they think it's the greatest thing in the world to give money away. But the vast majority of folks who walk in there walk out losing money. <laughs> well, and like they said, Las Vegas wasn't built by the winners. That's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> and extended warranty companies weren't built by the winners. Exactly. For the most part, they're, they're going to take in more than they're going to pay out. There are lots and lots of exclusions and things they don't pay for. Sure. They may dictate to you how they are going to pay for the things they do pay for. For instance, if you've got a five- or six-year-old car and a transmission goes out, you may not get a rebuilt transmission. You may get a used transmission of about the same mileage. And if you read the fine print in the policy, they've got the right to do that. They've got the right to specify aftermarket parts in many cases, Mm -hmm. used parts in many cases, so you got to read all of that little fine print and stuff to know about that. But cars today, for the most part, when they break down, it's generally from two primary reasons. One is a lack of maintenance. In other words, people did not maintain the car properly, so something has broke down. They did not change the coolant, and now the heater core is corroded out or something like that. Now, in those cases, your extended warrant is not going to cover you. No. Because they're going to say, okay, let me see the maintenance records. Let me see whether this coolant's been changed. Oh, you didn't change the coolant? Well, yeah. guess what? We're out. That's neglect. We're yeah. out of here. The second thing is mishaps. Like, for instance, with all the rain we've had uh-huh. in the area this week, and I'd like to get back to that later, but okay. just to make my point, there's a lot of high standing water in the road. There is. Now, driving through that high water can do an inordinate amount of damage to a car. I mean, it can get into the wheel bearings. How many wheel bearings have you changed in the last couple of months? (laughs) Well, now, in the last couple of months, we've changed several. But with this rain and everything that's coming the next few months, we'll be in even more wheel bearings. Well, that's right. It won't show up right away. For instance, you drive through eight inches of water, 
and everything's fine, or so you think. So you think. But what's happened is that the water has gotten up past the seals, it's gotten into the grease, and it's starting to emulsify the grease right now as we speak. Now, it's not like the old days where you could just break this down and repack clean it all the bearing, out, clean right. it out, put new grease in there, because the bearings today, for the most part, are sealed bearing assemblies. Correct. There is no service on them. You can't take them apart, and you can't get in there to service them. So what is going to happen is the grease is going to start to break down. It's going to emulsify because of water being in it. Rust is going to start to attack the components in this bearing. It may take three months or more. It may take a year. But then you're driving along. You What is that strange noise? It stops when I stop, and it gets louder as I go down the road. Well, that's the sound of one or more of your wheel bearings are going bad. Right. And Ben's, it's been so long since the water got in it, you don't really. You normally don't normally even don't, trace it back right. to that. You can't even remember. It's just, oh, wheel bearing went bad. Yeah, wheel bearing went bad. And it's not at all unusual to change one wheel bearing. In other words, the car will come in, and you'll have a screaming loud wheel bearing on one side. Correct. And it's obvious, left front, because you can hear you turn the wheel left, and it gets real loud, turn it right, and it quiets down. You can hear it coming from there. So you go in, you replace that wheel bearing. But now you hear the same noise, just, just not nearly much, as loud. Much lower tone. And on the other side. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's the sound of the other wheel bearing also going out. Because they, both, they both went through the same amount of high water. That's right. At the same both temperature. went through the same road. And possibly one of them was a little higher deal, so it didn't get quite as much water in, or maybe it was a little tougher, or whatever reason right. uh, might be. I mean, if you try to think of all the variables, maybe this one hit a pothole, that one didn't. I mean, on and on and on and sure. on and on. But it's not at all unusual when one wheel bearing fails for another one to fail. In, Almost immediately, yeah. or even down the road a little Within bit. Within a couple or, of months sometimes. Yeah. Front, rear, doesn't doesn't really make a difference. That's they all right. went through the same amount of water. And the point is, when the extended warranty company comes in and they see this bearing bad, and they ask me what made it go bad, I say, well, it was full of water, because I can't lie to them. I have to tell them straight. Mm -hmm. They are your agent, and if you want me to represent you in the claim, I have to be honest with everybody in, in here. The, right. And I know you'd say, well, don't tell them that, but I've got to be honest with you. I've got to be honest with them as well. Sure. If they ask, I've got to tell them. Now, if they don't ask, Right. I, I'm not saying anything, you know, because <laughs> I have no love lost for them. But if they ask me what made it go bad, I've got to tell them. And when they find out it's got water in this bearing, they may still cover it. They may not because that's considered abuse. Mm -hmm. And abuse is generally not covered, just like your manufacturer's warranty on a new car. Right. Abuse is not covered. You go out and tear it up or run it through a ditch or something like that, they're not going to cover it. No. If you run it out of oil or you run it out of water, and, see, cars today have basically like a black box type setup. They do. In that, if the engine gets past a certain temperature, it's going to record that. Right. It'll be in there. So all they do is hook a scan tool up, and they can say, hey, this thing's been beyond 259 degrees on five occasions. That's abuse. Sorry, we're Charlie. Done. <laughs> yeah, you should have got it fixed. If it runs out of oil, there's certainly going to be evidence of that, and right. that's going to be a disclaimer. If you did not change the oil regularly. They're going to ask for warranty records. If they have a failure of an engine, the first thing I want to do is see your your, your maintenance, maintenance records record. where the oil was changed. Now, you can change the oil yourself, but you have to write it down when it was done, the mileage and the date. And, date. and it's not a bad idea to keep your receipts from the from oil the purchase. And, and the filter that you purchased uh -huh. because that just adds more proof. In other words, if you've got a written log, they're pretty much not going to think you can go back and bogue that up. But... 
if you've got receipts with dates and, and that's right prices and everything where you actually purchase the material all yourself right. that's basically proof another thing is if you've had a shop change the oil well then you've got an invoice correct so you want to hold on to those invoices when you get your oil changed i know i've seen people they don't even get an invoice they crumple up throw it in the garbage well sure. okay that's great but if you ever need to substantiate that this was done and I've had people tell me, well, my car is out of warranty now, so I'm not worried about it. But occasionally things happen where they will come back and extend the warranty for whatever reason. Correct. Toyota had a problem with some of their four-cylinder engines burning oil. And even though these cars had more than 100,000 miles on them, if you would bring it in, they would seal the dipstick tube and they would seal the drain plug where you couldn't get any oil out of it, Mm -hmm. fill it up with oil, you come back after a certain number of miles, they would check it, and if it was truly consuming oil, they would rebuild the engine for you. Right, even at 100,000 miles. Yeah, way past 100,000 miles. But they may ask... Where's the maintenance record? The maintenance record to see if the car had been properly maintained. Yep. Because if you did not maintain the car, then you violated the terms of the warranty. Right. And warranties are... Like on a car, a new car warranty, people say, well, that's free. Well, it's not free. No, you paid for that up front. That's exactly right. It was added to the price of the car when you purchased it. Another thing that a lot of folks do not realize about a warranty, like a manufacturer's warranty, a warranty is not a service that they offer. It is a profit center. Mm -hmm. GM, Ford, Chrysler, Toyota, whomever, they expect to make a profit on their warranty division. Sure. Just like they make a profit on every other division. So they allot a certain amount of money, and I'm just going to pull a number out of my head because I have no idea how much it is. But let's say they add $3,000 to the price of every car you buy as warranty costs. Right. Now, that $3,000 sitting in an account somewhere, or at least it's in the general funds, it's accounted for. And when they pay a claim, the amount of the claim plus the cost of process is subtracted out. At the end of the day, they want to see a profit in, in that, that department. That's right. They want to make money on their maintenance items. Excuse me, on their warranty items like that. So how are they going to make money? Well, they make money by cutting claims and, in some cases, denying claims. Well, Certainly denying any claim that's not legitimate. And also by cutting the technician's pay. Well, that's a fact. And what they do to dissuade technicians from pushing warranty work, they pay them a much about, lower rate. About half the going rate to right. do the same job if it wasn't a warranty job. And since a lot of technicians and dealerships are paid on a commission basis, that gets into their paycheck sure. pretty quick. So pretty they're deep. not real thrilled to do warranty work in the first place, exactly. which creates a whole bunch more problems. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick little break. I see we're right at the break time. All right. And we'll get back. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. I'm here with Stuart, life insurance rep and Agco Automotive customer. That's me. So, Stuart, as an Agco customer driving a car with 245,000 miles, you believe in preventative maintenance, right? I sure do. You know, having your car checked out annually can prevent major repairs, just like an annual insurance review. That reminds me of the old insurance story about the poor lady at her husband's funeral who asked her agent about death benefits. And he informs her that old Joe's first wife is still the beneficiary. Oh, an annual review would have helped, huh? That's why Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection to get an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs needed to help keep your car running. Oh, I'm definitely a believer. So, on another note, my wife wants to increase my life insurance policy by a couple million. 
Should I be worried? All I can say is some flowers and a gift card to the spa couldn't hurt. Mmm, good point, Stuart. For the rest of you out there, schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldisan, with Mr. Brian Terry, and Tree Tools will try to help you out and point you in the right direction. It's kind of a gloomy old day out there, kind of overcast, and supposed yeah, to be expecting some more rain. But I don't know, man. I kind of like these days. I like the overcast, but not the rain. <laughs> I, hey, I can do without the rain. It doesn't bother me either way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of like it either way. Yeah, as long as you ain't got to get out in it. But uh, Sit on the porch and, and watch it rain. There you go. But you know, <laughs> the rain, like we were talking about before the break, brings on any number of additional problems. issues and problems yes. and all that and of course we were talking too about warranty work and what a lot of folks don't realize is that in a dealership environment and virtually all warranty work is done by dealerships independent right. shops don't do manufacturers warranty work right. they do extended warranty work but they don't do manufacturers warranty work the manufacturer always wants to send you back to their dealership for that and the reason being is because they pay those guys less than their going rate to Normal, do warranty. Less than a cash job of the same equality right, would pay. Right, paid job. And there's way most pricing is done in dealerships. And I've always had a problem with this. And that's why we do it differently at Agco. But in most dealerships, there's a book or a service guide that tells you how long the job is supposed to take. Mm-hmm. And let's say this job takes five hours to do according to the book. Well, the technician is paid a certain amount per hour called a flat rate. Right. That's his flat rate. At times, the number of hours prescribed in the book. Now, in ways that works out okay, in other ways not quite so good, if the guy is very skilled and he can beat the flat rate time, then he can make sure. more than he would have made otherwise. Sure. If he's not quite as fast or if something happens during the job that slows him down then, then he's he gonna less gonna make less now some people say well that's good because it keeps the customer paying more but that's not really the way it works when let's say we write up a job the service writers know that their best mechanics doing the warranty work are losing money because this is a job that would have paid say five hours well warranty time may be two and a half hours right. or three hours so Obviously, nobody likes doing that kind of work for less money. But some jobs, they have to get their better people to do because that's the only ones who can do it. Now, what they tend to do is they say, well, I'm going to make it up to you. Now, how do you make that up to someone? Well, when the customer paid job comes in, let's say we're putting on an alternator and we see that the water pump is also bad while we're in there. Well, the book time on the alternator is X. And the water pump is X. Mm-hmm. But if they're done together sometimes, there's a shared the, there's some shared labor. So you're supposed to subtract that overlap, that flat rate, out of there. Right. So what, not saying they all do this, but I have seen it done, what may happen is that they built the customer full rate on both jobs. Sure. And that makes it up to the technician for the money he's lost in the warranty work. So what happens is that when you're going into these type places that do these things, you're subsidizing the warranty process. Exactly. Which is really not fair. Another thing is there are certain jobs that you may get to where, let's just say the book is wrong. It may be like, for instance, on a Toyota strut. Okay. The book time to change a Toyota strut is about 2.7 hours. 
Now, you and I both know you can change a pair of those in less in than two less hours time. all day long. Sure. But if you go in, they may charge you 5.4 hours because the book says 2.7 hours. Okay. And, and, and that's way, you know, that's kind of the dark side of the flat rate system that kind of encourages some overcharging that I think is not fair. It also encourages the technician to rush through the job. Right. Let's take another classic job, and that would be where you're changing the head gaskets on an engine. Well, when you take the engine apart and you take these head gaskets off, you're not supposed to take a wire wheel or a scraper of any sort to clean the residue off these surfaces because they're finely, finely machined surfaces, and generally they're aluminum. Right, and whatever, like you were saying, the wire wheel or the, the sanding wheel will dig into the aluminum. That's right. Now you have a surface which is not flat, a brand-new gasket may seal for 10,000, 20,000 miles, but inevitably it's going to fail. Sure. And when it fails, it's going to be a new head or whatever. New block or whatever, right. That's right. And what, what happened is that it may take longer to clean this properly than the time allotted on the job. Sure, the whole job. Particularly if you're doing this under warranty. Let's say this is a 10-and-a-half-hour job, flat rate warranty times paying five-and-a-half hours. This tech is not very likely to sit there and spend 10 and a half hours, and it would be hard to do it in 10 and a half hours cleaning it properly. Sure. So he takes out his buffing wheel and knocks the things off, throws another gas can, and puts it back together. Now, is that right? Absolutely not. Does it encourage that? It absolutely it does. does. Now, if a guy is just a principal guy, he's a, he's a just a, like there are people like that. Sure. He just loses money on a job. He loses his shirt every time he does one of these jobs because he's not going to compromise what he thinks is right. He's going to do it right. That was the problem I always had in the dealership is that I was going to do the job right. and No I would, matter how long it took. And I would lose my tail on him. I just right. couldn't afford to keep on doing it. So I entertained the idea of leaving the automotive business for a while, and then I decided I'd just start my own shop and pay all the people hourly, just pay them by the hour for whatever time it takes. And I think we come out a whole, whole lot better than we like do. that. We do. Another issue in the automotive business when it comes to the flat rate payment is that it creates a lot of competition in the shop within the shop right you got technicians fighting with each other to get the good gravy jobs and to stay away from the the heavy warranty work and and it just makes for a a, a terrible environment in the shop that's right a gravy job is one to find in one like the toyota strut job where you can do it in about half the time that they're going to bill for right so Everybody wants that job because they're getting paid for five or four hours they're doing in two hours. So, yeah, that's great. But when that head gasket job comes in, that's going to take 10, 11, 12, 13 hours. You're going to get paid five and a half. Nobody really wants to do that job. Exactly. And so there's always a lot of bickering and fighting, and he's getting all the gravy work, and I'm getting all the hard stuff. Well, that's why you got so many more middlemen, too. You've got the shop foreman. Right. you got the service writer. Mm -hmm. you got the... Technicians themselves right. all in there. There's several people in this line of paid people right. that don't need to be there. All, just dra- be- all drawing a check. Just because of the way this system is set up. Right, and it's necessary to have all these, I'm just going to use the word policemen, in yeah. place, people to enforce the rules and make sure this is done, this is done, and that's done. Whereas if you went to a more fair system, people, good people, hire good people to start with, go to a fair system, People operating in a fair system are generally going to operate in a fair manner. Exactly. Because most people don't really want to screw anybody. They don't want to get ahead. They just want to make a living. They just want to do their job, do it right, feel good about what they do, and go home and be with their wife and kids at night. And, you know, that's the system has to reward 
that type of behavior, which I find the flat rate system does not do. Now, the guy who is willing to lie, cheat, steal, whatever, he can make a whole lot of money, at least if he can stay away from the warranty work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because he's going to do that job pretty fast, and in many cases, he's going to flat rate. In other cases, he's going to take overlap that probably shouldn't, and the customer's going to pay more. Just, I don't think any one of those things are in the customer's best interest. They're not. And they're really not in the best interest of the industry long term. I know guys that work flat rate and love it. And when you start talking to them, they get real mad about it because mm-hmm. they have learned to work the system. It works good for them. They've turned a, a closed eye to the dark side of it. Right. And they'll point out, well, on this system, there's problems too. And that's true. There's problems with any system you're ever going to look at. But I just think that. If you have a good environment where people can get along, people can cooperate. For instance, if you are working on a vibration problem, being the suspension guy, Mm -hmm. and you notice that when you kick the car into neutral, the vibration goes away. Well, that's kind of a driveline sort of a problem. Right. Now, it doesn't mean that you couldn't figure out that the torque converter is shuttering shuttering at a certain speed. Right. However, Josh in the bay next to you, does that all day long. Right. So you may very well say, hey, Josh, take let's a look take at this. Let's take a ride. Right. Yeah, let's take a ride, see what you think about this. Now, what that does is for the customer, you go to the solution much, much faster. And faster is cheaper. Cheaper. And you get the right solution the first time. Right. But in a flat rate environment, if you do that and Josh has to stop what he's working on, that's taking money out of his pocket. And not put, on, putting money in your pocket. And not only that, but... It has taken him away from his job That's right. that he's making money at right. to help you make money. That's right. Which is so, what you just said, right. That's right. <laughs> so you get a competitive sort of environment going where a lot of – and, you know, it's like most things. A couple of guys in the same bay next to each other, maybe they have a little deal worked out where they yeah. kind of tit for tat. This guy does for him, he does for him, and they kind of come out easy. But overall in the shop, it's generally not going to be conducive to a environment where everybody's going to cooperate and where everybody's going to want to just take the next job. Everybody is going to worry about the customer and getting him out the door. Another thing is when jobs come in that don't pay a whole lot, everybody goes off and they're off in the back right, hands, they're gone or in the yeah. bathroom or I take early lunch or whatever. And it depends on the way tickets are dispatched in that dealership. If the next guy gets the next ticket, they get pretty versed at watching what's coming through. Sure. And well, and then you, you tend to make friends with the guys handing the tickets out. He's, and he's handing tickets off the bottom of the deck. Right. You know, right. I've seen the that. new guys. I've seen that personally. Oh, yeah. The new guys tend to get all the... The rattles and the water leaks and the, that's the right. stuff that takes hours to diagnose and five minutes to fix. Doesn't pay anything. Right. And they don't make any money. So there's generally a lot of turnover, turnover. there. And the only ones who can make money are the flat rating guys who are willing to come in and lie, cheat, and steal. And that's, I'm not saying any of that's right. I'm just saying that's the reality of the world these guys are forced to work in every day. A lot of them would change it if they could. Some of them have learned to adapt to it and they just know how to work it, know how to work it and do the best they can do. Sure. But I'm just saying if you want it to improve the industry to where the customer gets the best overall deal, this would be one of the things that I feel you need to do. That would be a good place to start. Good place to start. Another thing that happens is let's say the customer brings his car into the dealership for some maintenance work. Okay. And he notices the ball joint boot is torn on the lower ball joint. However, it didn't come in for that problem. Mm -hmm. Now, the car's got 35,000 miles on it. 
that means in a thousand miles going to be out of warranty. Now that doesn't mean that he won't tell you about it and go ahead and take care of it under warranty. Some guys will, right? But some guys may not, right? They'll let it go till it's out yeah, of that warranty. Yeah, because this is not going to show any symptoms for probably a year. Sure. When enough water gets in to wash the grease out, then the rust starts to attack the ball joint. A year, two years down the road, we're going to have a squeak in the front end. You can come in. If I fix it right now, I'm going to get paid half my going rate. If I wait two years till it fails out of warranty, I'm going to get paid the full going rate. Providing it comes back. Providing it comes back. So he's just, either way, I don't have to do the job for half price. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's another problem that I see is that people tend to want to avoid the warranty well, process. And, and you know, it's just every organism on this planet is going to move towards reward and away from punishment. Sure. If it's a flat worm in a Petri dish and you put food to one side, it's going to move towards the food. If you put an electric battery on the other side and shock him, he's going to move away from the shock. Right. It's just the way organisms in this world tend to operate. They move away from pain or, or penalty, and they move towards reward. Right. And that's just kind of a flaw of that system. So I just don't think any of that's in the best interest of, of the, customer. the customer. You will see examples of it. For instance, you go in you say, hey, change my air filter. And you and I know that that air filter on some cars may take 30, 15 minutes. 30 seconds. On other cars, it may take a half an hour. Mm -hmm. But if you get a bill for a half an hour and you know it takes 30 seconds, right? well, you yeah, just, you just sub subsidize the warranty process. Sure. <laughs> and like I said, if there are things like you get charged for putting a belt on when they're changing the alternator. For instance, the alternator time was maybe an hour and a half, and they charge you an extra half an hour to put the belt on right the well belt. again that's overlap because the belt had to come off through the alternator however they charge you the full rate for both what they're trying to do is make something up to a flat rate tech and that's, you're subsidizing that warranty process that's right so these are just things i'm not saying they go on everywhere but they do go on and you just got to kind of watch out for them a better way is just to have people paid a salary and then you don't, you kind of eliminate a lot of those problems hey one last quick little break and we'll be right back with more I'm here with John, an actual Agco Automotive customer. I've been taking all of my cars to Lewis for a long time. I go in regularly for all changes, and if they notice anything else wrong, they let me know. It's just like going in for a checkup at the doctor. So you're saying the mechanics at Agco are like physicians? Car doctors. They don't ever miss a diagnosis. And I have three cars with over 100,000 miles on them. Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection. They'll check it out and even let you know if it's best to invest in repairs or possibly look for another vehicle. Yep, regular maintenance with Agco keeps my cars running fine. And regular checkups at the doctor keeps this old 80-year-old in good shape, too. You're 80? John, I hope I look that good when I'm your age. Well, son, I think it's kind of late for that. Oh, I see your wit's pretty sharp, too. So, schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go and give us a call. It's 291-6901. We would love to hear from you and try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Today, we were talking about driving through high water, some of the problems it can cause, and warranties, and uh -huh. some stuff like that. And you brought up a good point during the break, and that is most of your warranties, your extended, extended warranties, warranties, are going to have a deductible, number one. Right, so you... 
you have to pay for the policy up front. And then anything you want to claim, there's a deductible you have to pay before you can make the claim. That's right. And then on the end of that, there is also the... Well, if you buy a, a extended warranty on a new car, you got to remember your manufacturer's warranty is going to cover you, say, for the first three years or whatever the term of that warranty is. You're not going to have dual coverage, although you're paying for five years of coverage. That policy is only going to pick up the with next the manufacturer's warranty is over with. It's not going to pay. So you're paying for three years of coverage that you're not going to use. Yeah, because they're not both going to pay. One or the other is going to pay. If a car comes in with an extended warranty and we find there's a problem and we call them, they got a book that tells you what the manufacturer's warranty is in every car. And I say, isn't that under warranty? Yes, it is. Okay, well, then send them back to the dealer for warranty service. They're not going to cover it. They're versus all policy extensions and all that. So the thing is, you're paying for this policy, but many times you're not going to get to use it. It's, okay. it's kind of like buying food insurance, but your food's provided to you for three years. Yeah. So you buy five years' worth of food insurance, but you're only getting two years' worth of food exactly. or, or, or whatever the case may be. Let's go to the phone lines with Benny. Good morning, Benny. How you doing, Liz? Thank you very Good much great. for taking my call, man. I appreciate it. Look, I just got back a little while ago, filled up the car with gas. Mm-hmm. Everything was running good prior to that. I don't know if it's the gas or if it has something to do with the rain. My car now, when I step down on it a little bit, mm-hmm. it acts like it wants to go, but it doesn't go very fast. It's kind of like not hesitating. It's a mm-hmm. steady stream, but not much power there. Well, let me ask you this, Benny. Does it have a, what kind of car is it? It's a 2002 Acura. Okay. Is there any kind of light on on your dash? No, sir. Well, other than the uh, ABS light and stuff like that, but nothing to do with this. Well, it could be, though. See, because ABS is tied into traction control, and under certain conditions, traction control can shut the throttle down. Okay. For instance, if it, it may have had an ABS light that's been on for, say, two years. It has been. And it may degrade further. For instance, let's say you've got a sensor that was bad reading erratically. All of a sudden, the sensor quits reading completely. It may think that the car is sliding sideways, so it's going to shut your throttle down. And you can give it the the gas all you want. The car's just not going to go. Oh, I'm sorry. but He must have got dropped. Benny, if you're still there, you can either call back if that's not a full enough answer, or uh, you can hit me on the website. But, yeah, in many, many cases, what happens is that the throttle is regulated by the traction control. Right. It's all electronic now. You don't have a mechanical link between the pedal and the accelerator on the engine anymore. Right. It's drive-by-wire. Which is all electronic computer control. And in many cases, when there's a malfunction of some sort, then it may shut the throttle down sure. to protect you. or It gives you enough throttle to get you off the road and get you out of an, a dangerous situation. Right. But it's not enough to drive the vehicle anymore. Right. And I think Benny's back online. Benny, did you hear what we were talking about? Just I missed most of it. I'm sorry, Okay, Louis. well, what we're saying is that with traction control, what happens if the car thinks it's sliding sideways? For instance, this sensor quits reading, one sensor still reading, then it's going to shut the throttle down to protect you. In other words, it can disable the throttle because you don't have a cable or anything between the accelerator pedal and the throttle body. What you okay. got is drive-by-wire. The computer okay. is taking an input from the throttle from the accelerator, and it's opening the throttle the amount it thinks. So let's say we had an ABS problem. I'm not saying this is it, but let's say you had an ABS problem. It degraded further and affected the traction control. It may very well shut the throttle down. Okay. Now, one thing you could try, and it won't always work, but just try turning it off, going back and starting it, and see if it drives good for a little while and it starts doing it again. Okay. If that's, 
Go ahead. So, I'm sorry. And if that's what? If that's the case, then very likely the throttle's being shut down by some malfunction in the system. You'd have to go in and retrieve the codes and see what it is that's, that's causing the throttle to be shut down. When you cycle ignition, it's going to reset everything until the problem occurs again. Now, if it's a hard fault, it resets immediately, then it'll shut it down immediately. But most time it's not. It has to get rolling before it'll do something. So shut it off, start it, go drive it. If it drives good for maybe two or three minutes and then starts doing it again, then that's going to be the problem. Okay, because when I got home, I went back and tried to start again about a half hour or later, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like it didn't want to start. Really? Well, yeah, and see, it's it, possible. Could, it could be something totally different, right. and it could also be a hard fault in there. It could be that the the fuel is bad. You know, that is a possibility. Could be water contaminated with, with all the with rain all the we've rain had we've late, got, lately. We've got some water in your fuel. Yeah. It could be the fuel pump is going out. That sounds like a fuel-related problem as you're describing it. Right. And the way that I would diagnose that, first off, is I would take a fuel sample, and then I would also do a fuel pressure test. I would also test that fuel and make sure you didn't accidentally get some E85, which is 85% alcohol. There is a small amount of that in the Baton Rouge area, and if you put E85 in a car that's not capable of running on it, it will do exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I got this in Walker, and I've been using the same gas station probably for about seven or eight years now. Yeah, yeah. well, it's probably not E85, but it could have maybe some water in the gas. It could be some bad fuel. Who knows? Could be a coincidence. Maybe the fuel pump just went out. Yeah. So uh, what I would probably do, Benny, is to have the car towed to somebody that you know and trust and have them just do a fuel pressure and a fuel quality test on it because you don't want to drive it or try to drive it. You may end up damaging the injectors or something else if, if it's got something bad in there. Okay. All righty. Okay, well, I appreciate your information right, and your time. Right. Thanks, Benny. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, I think we got time to sneak one more yeah. call in. we right. got David online. Good morning, David. Good morning, guys. Up here in Zachary without power listening to you on a hand <laughs> oh, radio man. and calling on a cell phone. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's the thing in there. <laughs> Look, I want to compliment your new commercials, and if you got enough of them, sooner or later, I'm going to hear somebody I know. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I have a shop question, a quick go ahead. one. I love to watch people work, you know, since I was a kid and, and equipment and all, but while at your shop, I see you guys sometimes under a car or under a hood, mm-hmm. and they got a laptop with them. What are they doing? Well, almost everything now is scan tools, and a lot of the scan tools are laptop-based. In other words, when you buy a tool from, say, Honda or Toyota, they you're don't buying, sell you a tool. Right, you're buying the software buying and the, the disk. The software and the interface. Right. The interface to connect to their car, but it's all done on a laptop now, and more and more and more of them have gone to laptop-based it's, systems. Well, it's cheaper for them. They don't have to manufacture a the tool. tool. They don't have to, to build special components for this tool, whereas... The stuff they're building now goes on any laptop you want, as long as the requirements are there. And the little interface that plugs in is pretty much a generic interface that will switch between any of the uh, laptops. Right. So, yeah, that's that's that, kind all, of the new thing. Also, they'll have service data on them sometimes. They may be on there looking up service data for that particular model. But they have desktops that they also use for that, which are back against the wall. You wouldn't see from the waiting area. That's pretty amazing. Well, <laughs> let us all know when you next uh, have auditions for your commercials. Oh, there you go. Hey, you know, I, I, when Jeff English was asking me for folks, I said, well, and four or five people just popped into my mind, so I gave him those names, and all of them were gracious enough to agree to do them, which I, I thought was really, really wonderful. I didn't think about you because you'd have been a good uh, – <laughs> I've got so many good customers that I tell you, it just it would be hard picking any, any certain number of them. Well, y'all take care and best wishes. Thank right, you very David, much. Thanks, Thank man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, see we're getting real close on time here. I guess we better go ahead and start winding it up and 
getting ready to move it on out of here. All right. Tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and see if you can get some more people listening. And That's right. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast, whatever, Bay, your, whatever you listen. your favorite broadcast service is. Like, give us a written review. If you give us a written review, that moves us up in the rankings to where when someone types in auto repair, our we name pops up. up and. That way more people can listen and they won't cut us off or throw, throw us out of the studio. Throw us out of this studio or off, <laughs> off the podcast. <laughs> hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.